Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road. Episode 110. 110. I'm focused. I promise. Well, I'm, fo- I'm here. Sometimes they're better. I'm here. Depending on how focused, they're better when we're unfocused. <laughs> you a, little, think? a diffuse episode. <laughs> I'm a relativist. Who's to say which of our podcasts are better? Well, dude, last week's was Hey, I, I, I can share one thing. It's fun. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, people continue. Like, the thing I hear about most is like, you don't understand AI. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I do, I do. And it's dumb. Um, <laughs> they're like he did it again. He did. Oh, he did sorry. it again. He did it. There he is. Let me tell you a little story about somebody who was telling me I didn't understand AI. And so we were we were having a conversation, and we asked ChatGPT for. And incidentally, I think it's a cool tool, and it's going to be useful. But English teachers should actually just brush up on their own game. Require more. No, they should just know their subject. <laughs> so isn't that requiring more? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, out of curiosity, <clears throat> per when we first had this conversation, you asked if it was aware of my novels and it made one up. Yep. The last mortician. And so in this conversation, we asked we asked Chad GBT like to outline uh bullet point, just give me a bullet point outline of the Ashton Burial series. Just made stuff up, mm. made it up. Like, are you familiar with this book? Yes. Are you able to outline that? Yes, I would. Could you outline it in bullet points? Here it is. I'm making up chapters. Chapter four, the monstrumologist. They're going to the realms of the dead. They're going above the Arctic circle. They're going, they just, it just made stuff up. <laughs> it didn't get a single chapter right. Not yeah. one, because ultimately this is mathematical prediction and probabilities and it's trying to like it's it's not doing what people think it's doing it's not a person it's and it reasoning based on the inputs right i mean i think they're fair if they say we don't understand the exact coding behind it like exactly sure, how but, that works <clears throat> oh no i do i've studied it deeply no of course i don't and i don't <laughs> and i don't care i care about the philosophical nature of knowledge and so then i was like okay let's t- okay fine this is my novel. It doesn't have a clue. It says it does, and then gives me a very detailed outline. That's like wrong. Yeah. Two bullet points, a chapter title for every chapter. Yeah. Every single chapter title is incorrect. Every single bullet point is incorrect. The dragon's tooth begins when Cyrus and Antigone's parents are killed in a freak fire. Like, um, no. Incorrect. Did Didn't happen. Um, not what happened. So I was like, okay, let's move. Let's Parents ask. are dead. There is a freak fire. Well, no, yeah. one parent dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is a freak fire, but Not ramming connect. those two together. Yeah. Yeah. One parent's in the hospital already. One parent's dead at sea yeah. in California. You know, <laughs> so yeah. um, anyway, so then I ask it about Shakespeare. There's a chance that Nate wasn't famous enough, and it, yeah, it thought let's go it, to Shakespeare. It thought it could make it up. It was wrong. Asked it about Steinbeck. Incorrect. Couldn't yep. summarize Cannery Row mm. correctly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, it's like it's this so is, this is factually too, not even English. I mean, it'll get which Supreme Court justice was a majority or minority, and then when yeah. called out on it, it'll mix them up. I mean, yeah. it's it's just no, this is the way it is. But the the point is because it's trying to. It's trying to know things via prediction probability and all sorts of extra math stuff. It's not, it's not a it's not knowledge. It isn't. And an English teacher who's any good, if somebody tries to use Chat GBT to write their paper on Huck Finn, it's gonna actually show that they're just making stuff up because it, it reads like they're making stuff up. So I I don't think it's that big a threat. It's gonna be refined and improved and all sorts of things, but in and, and it's going to expand its knowledge and it's going to hook up to the internet differently. And there's all sorts of breakthroughs are going to happen for it. So I'm not saying it's always going to be this clunky and this clumsy, um, but it does not replace knowledge. And people who try to use it to replace their own knowledge, all they're going to accomplish is mental atrophy for themselves, but they're not going to have achieved some higher level. 
Yeah. So like when I forget phone numbers now, it's because my phone does a better job remembering numbers than I right. do. And so I don't have to, but right. it's not going to, you know, anyway, it's not going to replace knowledge the same way. I, I just, there's a, ch- my favorite chapter was called the monstrumologist. <laughs> you know, is even making up words, which pleased me a little bit. The monster. Uh, it sounds like a chapter out of the last mortician. Yeah, clearly. Honest. So there, there was that. I just, it was just a fun experiment. I was like, okay, fine. People are still saying that I don't understand. He just doesn't understand. I do understand how it's supposed to work. I understand. They, they are the kid in the Disney movie. You just don't understand. You don't dad. get me, dad. <laughs> and, and is it a big momentous deal? Yeah, I think it's going to be a big momentous deal. And I think the, the people it's going to really get rid of are probably going to be the coders who coded it first. So anyway. Because oh, that's what that's poetry. What, that's what I heard from the coders that I know that it's gonna eliminate a bunch of middleman stuff. Yeah, because it'll you'll say connect these two things and it will connect them, rather than having to get people to connect yeah. them all. Yay! And that'll be great. So what else are we talking about today, Brian? We're talking well, about we spirited had... away. We're talking about how we are not dogmatic ever. <laughs> yes, if you do have a review that will make Nate cry. Please do send huh. that. I actually am curious. I like questions. It's great to have a discussion, but it, it is funny. Most you know, people. I, 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 I was unaware, and I think you might be lying to me, that we, I don't think we generate strong, strong responses. I think we're like. We're milk toast. We're like a, a 72 degree breeze. I think we're like a warm bath. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a zephyr over here, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, um, no, the, one, the people who replied said, hey, we listened to you for the strong opinions. It's like. You know, I'm not aware. What's the word for whiskey? The the, the Scotch word. Cask strength, barrel proof. No, no, the, the living water one. The aqua. Aqua vitae. No, I'm trying to remember. It's the it's the. Oh, that's see. that. What it, that's what it was first called. Originally. Oh, okay. There we go. I'm trying. To, I thought there was an. I thought there was like an Irish. The first ever reference to whiskey for is, I think, aqua vitae. Okay, living water. That's yeah. what we are. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, depending on I'm the not aware of strong opinions. You and I just sit in a room and have a chat. Yeah. No one else. As far has as I to know, listen. we checked our strong opinions at the door, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're like, he's doing it again. I'm not. <clears throat> Here, <laughs> yeah. Here, here's the question that people have. I'm just blissfully unaware of my own they, operating system. They in, enjoyed the Zephyr of our uh, um, Slumdog episode. Yeah. And- Thought the one thing we didn't follow up on, this is from Ariana, asking us, yeah, but you didn't really talk about Salim, whether his, people are defending it saying Salim redeemed himself, right? Mm. So the so the brother, mm. and she was saying, doesn't seem like it to me. So I was wondering, if you, how could you no. talk about his sacrifice? And I think this ties in nicely because many Christians see a sacrifice like that, and they say, oh, he's a Jesus figure. It's a very sort of, Mm. so I think, I think Jesus figure typology and the sacrifice of Salim might be an interesting jumping off point. And then, and then, so I was going to ask you, yeah, Salim, obviously he dies at the end. I think you could say some. He dies in a way that enables his brother to keep loving him. Yeah. And he also reached a limit of his iniquity. Like he, he had basically, he reached a point where he hated what he had become, how far he had gone, and he stopped. And there's tons of people like that in the world who have a red line. You know, they're in the motorcycle gang until this happened. This broke me. This was like the end of the line. Um, I was in the mob until they told me to kill my brother. You know, it's like it's, there's a threshold beyond which they won't go. There's one, there's one place where they have some shred of nobility left. Yeah. And that's kind of the Selim character he hits the line he sacrifices himself you know like he does mm-hmm. this why he does it out of love for his brother which has al- always been there yeah you know we've seen that throughout but he's also seen himself as the superior and has viewed himself as that savior character of his brother because because of his brother's idiocy and naivete and innocence he's always seen himself that way yeah, very much while, proud. While he's being um, the left hand of power, you know, while he's being just dominant and Darwinian about the whole thing. So I think, I think he hits a limit. He still loves his brother. He's always loved his brother. And I think he's hit a wall for how far he'll go, how far his numbness can be carried. Because he was close. No, no, well, I think he decided. But that, the one scene where he knows his brother's going to be blinded 
right? Yeah. As a, a little little Salim and decides, no, we got to get him out. But there, yep. he's teetering there. I mean, that's what makes him a very interesting character is to yeah. watch him teetering on, do I let this yep. irreversible <clears throat> thing happen to my brother? Uh, I think- So uh, I don't, I, it's important to realize this about any good character in a story. Mm. Any good character is sympathetic. Like any good character is somebody that you can understand why they are where they are or uh, see the humanity and what they're doing or how they got to that point. You mean even bad guys? Yeah, um, especially bad guys. So well-told stories, they don't, they don't excuse the evil, but they don't lie about the nature of evil or brokenness or how people get to those places. Mm -hmm. So Salim made a choice and that took him into a lot of dark places and he went a lot of dark places and yet we can still admire like who he was. When Christopher Hitchens died, his brother eulogized him. His believing brother eulogized his famously angry atheistic sibling as courageous. Yeah. He'd always been really courageous and unafraid. Mm -hmm. and how much he admired that about him like that's it's true he was yeah like hitch hitch was yeah you no know, was courageous now wrong broken you know really really broken um but under like understandably and admirably human like he mm -hmm. had strengths there are there are very few people who just have no strengths everybody bears the image yeah. of god and if you if a talented writer told a story about any character with complete omniscience they could make you sympathetic to yeah. any human being right and and i'm what i mean by sympathetic is not what i think a lot of people would assume but sympathetic meaning that you actually can understand and not justify you can disagree completely but you can understand how they became Okay, let me push that, let me, that person. And so this is this is <laughs> this is why um because they're all they're all human. There is a common thread. Yeah. Every single person on this planet, there is a commonality. No matter how dark, no matter how broken, there's a commonality. They too were made in the image of God. They too were planted on this <laughs> earth. They too uh came up and had things happen to them they responded to and other things. And they can be this is incidentally why anti-heroes and why talented writers making audiences attached to villains on an unhealthy way is so dangerous yeah you know it's like it's just well i was immediately thinking of course milton satan being a classic yeah. example of taking a villain and making him yeah understandable um what do you think about that is that sort of what you're talking about if we're looking uh milton telling satan's fall in a way that allowed losers like Percy Bysshe Shelley to come around and see him as a full-on hero, yeah, rather than an anti-hero. Well, if it basically, if somebody's doing it righteously and doing it well, yeah, then it will edify and cause readers and viewers to say, you know, there but for the grace of God, mm -hmm. like there but for the grace of God, go I. I am not in and of myself. I'm not better than that person. Yeah, like I don't have any like worth of myself that makes me more valuable than that person. I've been saved. Yeah. Like I've, I've I been, too, I too have would be, rebelled, yeah, rebelled I have a God. brokenness. I have like, yeah. I can, that road they went down. I am not morally superior without God, without the grace of God, like there, but for the grace of God, am I? Yeah. Um, that is a really, a really good writer does it that way. Yeah. And you, and you, you humanize, the fall like you can see it and understand it but you also they're really effective cautionary tales too but they're not just moralistic tales anna Karenina and other things they're just they can be sophisticated they can be complicated they can be simple but if somebody has a villain who just ha pops a collar on their cape and twirls their mustache and that villain does not view themselves as a hero that villain does not have an agenda that you can understand does not have motives that you can understand then it's a bad villain mm -hmm. you know so even if they're really dark and arch and awful you know and you're in a middle grade fantasy and it's nemione or it's dr phoenix you know what are they about you know yeah. what are they life like yeah like bitterness and revenge is like that's very human 
or Dr. Phoenix's case, saving the world. He thinks he's saving humanity and advancing humanity, and he's 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 pushing, and he's he's fully psycho. Yeah, like he's he's going that direction. But there's he has a logic to what he's trying to do, and so whenever you have a, a cartoon character that you cannot understand, like you can't understand this evil, you can't understand that person, then you're doing a bad job. You've done a bad job as a writer. It's, you know, this is a paper doll. This is somebody who's okay. a placeholder. And this incidentally, um, <laughs> I could just poke the Harry Potter discussion again, but when you have good and evil, <laughs> when you have good and evil, and they're basically the, on a philosophical level, the difference between goodness and evil is like a speed limit. It's this arbitrary designated rule. There's not like this uh, real ethical or philosophical underpinning to the whole thing. It's like that's we've had that argument because, yeah, you're allowed to kill people. So it's not that Voldemort kills people. Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's the Moses thing of Moses yeah. is calling down the angel of death and turning the river to blood. Like, is this dark magic? Is this not dark? Like, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, by whose authority and to what purpose is what it comes down to in the real world. So all this to say with Salim, Salim is understandable. You understand these two boys are raised in the same kind of hell mm -hmm. and they respond differently. And Salim feels superior. Yeah. And his superiority is reinforced and affirmed at different points by the outcomes. And so he he believes in it and is doing it one direction. And we can understand him, but we still see him reach an end where he's not all gone. He's not he's bad. He's done a lot of terrible things, but right. like, but he's not inhuman at this point. He actually still has, by the grace of God, some humanity left. And he, and he sacrifices himself. That's more of like a real journey than it is, oh, a Christ figure, or he's fully redeemed. It's like, no, he's not fully redeemed. He just hit a wall. He wouldn't, he wouldn't go past you know, that. Yeah, so in that case, he's much more, and this is what Ariana said, much more of a Judas figure than um, a Christ figure because he has that regret yeah. transferring, or the regret that reaches a limit where you say, Except for, this I mean, work. Judas just hangs himself. You know, it's like he's still being selfish. Yeah. And what Salim's doing it's is... Better than is, Judas. Yeah, it's, he's a little better. Yeah, I guess, well, part of what makes me wonder, though, is the money in the bath Yeah, feels so, so th planned and theatrical Yeah, that it's almost like Salim wouldn't do that. I don't know. I guess that's the well, one Well, except for I it's have. the end. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's he knows it's the end. This is the end. Yeah. and it's. I think he knows it's a death scene, and so he he wants that, it to be memorable. Yeah, it's not gonna. It needs to be, you know, fitting. So, so he wants, in some sense, in some sense, he's come to realize that yeah, I've died for money. He's just dying on his money. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it works. I like it a lot. And no, I would not say that he's a a Christ figure. I think he's a real kid who chose another way. Yeah, and they both ended up with a ton of money, and that's the parallel mm -hmm. they both end up with a ton of money but one's dying on it you know it's blood money and the other is uh receiving it because of how much he's given yeah and that division is is pretty interesting but it is like in anything anything we criticize it's like okay so here's the bad guy well okay what does the bad guy want yeah who is he how did he get here what's his background how did he become this Right. You know, okay. All right. I'll and I, I love playing in middle grade because I can, I can work with arch. I can work with big arch yeah, villains and that kind villain. of stuff. Yeah. And, but you can also work with arch good guys. Yeah. You can also have in, in Lord of the Rings, you can have very, very bad guys and they're just bad. But you also can have very, very good guys who are well, just Well, that's what good. I was going to ask is Sauron. He seems pretty one dimensional, doesn't he? Yeah. So, um, so it's a good thing he gets zero screen time. Because, <laughs> yeah. Although, now that I said that, I guess both Gandalf and Galadriel don't see Sauron as one-dimensional. They say, we would be Sauron. No, they, we, but they, they like also have, know the backstory. They know the, right. the fall. So he's, he's one-dimensional now. But he had that moment. But there was a journey. And they say, hey, instead of a dark lord, you'd have a, you know, a beautiful queen or whatever yeah. what the Galadriel line is. Yep. Um, and so I guess she doesn't think of Sauron that way. She understands that desire that right. he had way back in... I'm still slogging my way through the Silmarillion, <laughs> and uh, just, you know, just don't. Well, I, <laughs> out of joy, 
Okay, it's, it's fine. A joyful okay, slogan. okay, fine. <laughs> it's a joyful slogan. You don't have to, Brian. No, it's I okay. know, I know. Morgoth is Morgoth is is there's something where you understand him, the Valor are being so happy, and then he's yeah. mad that he's cut out of it by his own decisions, and that motivation is very human too. Yeah, it's very Grendely to see joy over there that you didn't allow yourself to be part Grindly. of. Grendely, and then to just Grendely is the word of the day. Chapter yeah. one, Grendely. Take that. Chat the novel GBT. is the monstrumologist. <laughs> Chapter one, Grendely. <laughs> yeah. It's it's Grendely. I think the um, under, understanding we we now have a culture that wants to like honor evil and darkness and and you know make you make you connect to it. Uh, sorry, turn my phone. Oh, I guess my phone is off. Put it over there. Uh, shout out to Christine Cohen calling during the podcast. Sorry, Christine. Christine, not talking to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, the honor, the love, like praising what is damnable and damning what's praiseworthy. That's something our culture does now. But forget all that. Push it away. You know, it's like, can you, um, can you redeem characters? Can you connect to guys? Can you actually, you yeah. know? Can you get there? I there's a, a character who is involved um with uh rescuing uh trafficked kids in Latin America. And his his backstory. And he does this all very undercover. Wait, and, in which show? That was for real. Oh, a real character. Real okay. dude. God's show. So he's a it's Colombian, uh, and he's kind of just given his later decades to trying to rescue traffic victims um and this is all connected to he was a he was one of escobar's narcos I and mean, he was like a bad bad dude mm -hmm. and he reached a, a red line for himself and was going to kill himself and basically would say that he he received a command from god to not and to just focus on rescue and so that's what he's been doing ever since. Like there are times when like, okay, it's real bad, real bad, real bad, real bad breaks and repents and mm. like transformation. There are just amazing Holy Spirit transformations that happen. But most of the time that guy pulls that trigger or lays himself down. Like somebody who gets to a place where he's, he's been involved in so much darkness that he's. Yeah. So much compromise. Yeah. That he either hardens himself, numbs himself, cauterizes himself and then goes even deeper into the darkness or he you know drinks himself into oblivion or right you know something like that ods that's usual when people are in places that dark that's normally how it goes but it's interesting to watch god transform characters actually and what it looks like and it doesn't look like what Salim did that's a natural out that's just the natural end of a bad man of where he was yeah. going but a bad man who loved his brother and right. and did have a lot of very bad people, mob, you know, mobsters and so on, have their code and they keep their code. Yeah. And they use it to kind of like survive in their own darkness. Yeah. I'm still, I still have a code. I still have my, mm. you know, my standards. Um, and I think that's, I think that's where he was as the protector, yeah, it's, as, it's, the, as the guy who loved his brother. And that I, was it. I think Hemingway, it shouldn't surprise anybody when you're talking about heroic codes, of course, Hemingway comes to the top of the mind and seeing that he ended up killing himself yeah. isn't a surprise to anybody who's read Hemingway no. because all his stories are laced with that idea of you follow your code until you can't. And when yep. you can't, it's, it's over. over. Yeah, and it's over. So I don't know. I, I, yeah, that's a Salim character right there. For sure. Well, we should talk about Spirited Away. Okay. Also, Unless you, you want to make it a lamp for two I don't. Months. He doesn't want to. I don't want to make go. it a lamp. No lamp. Let's do it. I know what the next lamp is. Yeah, it is. Jesus Revolution. You all know that already. I know what the one after that is, and it's not Spirited Away. <laughs> oh, wow. This is some prophecy so, right here. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk about Spirited Away right now. What do we need to talk about? Um. So, you know, should should this episode be criticizing people for not understanding it or helping, <laughs> or helping them to understand i'm not why that kind of person <laughs> brian <laughs> yeah i guess what we, do you think of me I, I would never well i would never criticize i think it's easier just to tell people that they don't understand for spirit uh, so spirit spirited away why why do people 
I I know many folks who've watched it, including my own children. So I battled this where they watched it and said that was weird. Correct. And, and then <laughs> yeah, to, that weirdness can become a barrier. Yeah, that, true. That's true analysis. Right. It was weird. That was weird. And oh. I think that's probably most people yeah. who, who don't like Spirited Away. They would say. It was just too weird for that me. That was strange. Yeah, it was strange. I think uh, there's two things going on in Spirited Away. And yeah, I threw I threw out the title because it's it was, you know, fun. Mm -hmm. um, but the two things that are going on are one is it is a classic Western fairy tale. Yep. And so take away the costumeries, take away the character design. The that, fact that there are little edges on the buildings. Take yeah, that away. Take away just the Asian the Eastern. Yeah. The Eastern decor and setting. And look at the the architecture of the story. A spoiled girl with her parents uh arrive at a cursed feast and her parents greedily and selfishly eat the, the cursed food and are turned into pigs no surprise we've read that a billion like, times uh, yeah okay so have, have you ever heard a story where there's forbidden food or cursed food and people eat something they shouldn't eat i wonder where that came from and then it, it then it like enslaves their descendants into yeah, um, you get that service to evil from the Bible. You get that in Persephone. We kind of, but we kind of know it's everywhere. It's just baked into the bones of mankind. You don't eat, don't eat the food, especially the spirit food. Don't <laughs> eat the food, and so all the regrets that we have as a as a race mm. around having eaten the food show up in this fairy tale format over and over and over again. So the daughter ends up enslaved in a witch's palace a witch's castle in this case a witch's bathhouse <laughs> yeah you know she is now i'm thinking but think about that she's enslaved into the service of like she's she's a slave of darkness serving darkness so this witch's bathhouse like who goes to this bathhouse spirits it's like it's the spirits it's the you know it's the unclean like she's she, it's really weird where she's going to a place where her job is to try to clean the unclean for this, uh, for this witch that she's now stuck. Mm -hmm. And she's been told she, her only out is to have a, is to like, she has to ask for a job. She has to have, she asks for Otherwise she'll disappear. Yeah. And she's done. So she's, she's now, because of the folly of her parents, she is now enslaved. And she is enslaved in this uh, dark spirit kingdom. Mm -hmm. You know where all all these different spirits are coming, and the the witch who has her uh, bond, who has her bound, here to work. Yeah, as she a slave. loses her name to the witch. Yeah, yeah, she, she has to remember. Right? She's lost her name. She's lost her identity. She's she's being pulled into this service of darkness, and she's here to try to clean the unclean. Uh, and she, through this route of service, she eventually gets back around to redeeming her parents and saving her her own humanity the humanity of others through having stooped low and, and been willing to slave this way, she pulls out a rescue. Mm -hmm. uh, by, and, by remembering what she's supposed to remember. Yeah. Another key ingredient. Yeah, of, that of she did the tales. thing. This yeah. is a very classic fairy tale. The architecture is very, very um, basic. It's really simple. So for all of the weirdness, it is the architecture is Edenic, it's this Edenic architecture where humanity eats the food that is forbidden, is enslaved to the supernatural, to the inhuman, to the, the broken and the dark. And then in that, uh, in that slavery, in the fairy tale format, has to sacrifice, follow the rules, like, and actually uh, lay, lay down yourself, risk yourself, jeopardize yourself to save others out of bondage, which is what she does. Mm. So she pulls, you know, all these different people, including her parents and herself, but all these different characters are are bought out of bondage. Like she, yeah, she the witches, them. the witches' kid, yeah, um, um, the river. You know, she yeah. does. She cleans she, the river. Yeah, she's she's. I, saved. I think it should be clear that Miyazaki doesn't view the spirits as all bad. He, no, he nor does C.S. Lewis. Right. You know, right. it's like he's actually he's completely in agreement with C.S. Lewis about this. Right. You know, so. But she's enslaved to the spirit kingdom, and the hierarchy is supposed to be man judging angels, and it's actually been flipped because of the forbidden food. Mm, that's but the, nice. But the the fairy tale there is is very very simple and edenic. Don't eat the food. Oh, garbage! You ate the food. 
-hmm. Now you're in bondage. Like now you're in bondage to this world, to this right. other right. world is now the, they're the rulers now. Yep. And you have to redeem. You have to actually like, yeah, go down, go low and then redeem. And that's what the story does. And so it, it is a very classic Western fairy tale, but it's dressed up in all this, this Eastern design and so on that, that makes it, uh, I think really, really fun, really yeah. interesting to watch. Cause it's not just the same old Disney thing you've seen a hundred times. You're, yeah. You're seeing a new take on, on Western Edenic redemptive mm -hmm. architecture. That's what this is. So it's Edenic redemptive architecture in a fairy tale that you've seen right. many times in Western Christian storytelling. It's just in this Asian garb. Now, on the flip side, this is, there's some ironies here that I like. This is just another layer, is it's this also a condemnation of greed. And like yep. the, the like greed and the post-war greed that consumed Japan as it went into the boom, you know, the 80s really. But, you know, it's like as that economy finally exploded, taking the money of the West. And so you have like no face. One of these demons shows I up. I mean, there is not. And he's just giving gold to everybody can just buy anything and then devours and just devours. There's and she's no better symbol for greed. Yeah. no face no face and, and they invited in yeah and, and they, it's in there and they invite no face in this really dark dark demon and he's it's just greed and he's giving out gold to devour and she's the only one who like actually puts a stop to this and saves all of these people yeah. and so and one of the ironies here is miyazaki is exploring uh what it's like having a culture subsumed by conquerors and so Japan, the culture of Japan, the old culture, is the culture of emperor worship and imperialism, imperial racism. Yep. You know, doing horrible things. Um, you know, and and World War II, et cetera, and then being defeated by the West. And so one of the things that's really interesting is it's while talking about the the brokenness and the the awful destruction of greed and uh western conquest over japanese culture he also chooses western architecture to the narrative yeah and so the narrative is this redemptive western narrative mm -hmm. while there's also this other piece on top that is uh really about you know the parents are greedy they show up they're just like i have to eat it i have to devour it they've forgotten you know who they are they've forgotten who they are yeah. and their culture they've forgotten their names they've forgotten Yep. And that forget your name thing about forgetting Japan, forgetting your culture yeah. is another piece. So they devour the food, the greedy pigs turn into pigs. No face shows up, giving out gold, devouring everybody like greed, like that greed and that conquest is, is on the skin level, you know? So it's a skin level exploration of the, the power, the destructive power of, of greed, but on the architecture that's edenic and redemptive. And so those, those two layers, I think play together really interestingly. Yeah. So some people say it's a condemnation of the West. It's not a condemnation of the West. Yeah. Um, it and isn't. Miyazaki <laughs> went and was educated in Europe, I believe. So, I mean, he, he's studied. Yeah. No, he's he a super he's intelligent here. guy. But yeah. So there is this condemnation of forgetting who you are. Like forgetting who you are because you're greedy. Yeah. And, and so the fact that no face is no face, doesn't even have a face name can't talk can't tell yeah just no face is greed shows up just ready to devour you in exchange for gold the the parents have pigged out become pigs and yeah. you you have those those kinds of layers about what greed does to you and forgetting who you are and yeah. and where you came from what your culture is and so if you were if you're uh uh i may have i may have mentioned this before but my my grandfather was given a you know, I don't know, like a 400, 500 year old samurai sword in Japan. Oh, um, I don't think I've heard this. So he, he led a samurai uh, to the Lord or was involved. And this guy felt that he um, needed to give up the sword because he had been so consumed by ancestor worship. And, and by only caring about his name and who he was and where, and like, mm. and that legacy was the only thing he cared about. And then he took the name of Christ became a Christian. I was like, I can't care about, you know, that anymore. Cause that's been all I cared about. So he presented the samurai sword to my grandfather as like, this was 
it's a thing. This was, and my my grandfather told me you could you could see all these little nicks in the blade from arrowheads through battles of the centuries. And the you said he said you could still shave with it. But he actually did. Wow, shave with this thing, and shark skin handle. You know, like just the hilt. Everything about it was epic. Uh, my grandfather kept it for a while until the guy became more mature in his faith. And it was probably like, I don't know, 10 years, five years, but it was years later mm-hmm. that he returned it to him. Oh, that's great. You know, it's like, this is, you need to remember who you are. You need to know who you are, but you need to not have such a broken relationship with it. Yeah. So, you know, like that's kind of like, if you think about the strength of the Japanese culture, the things that are amazing about it, and then you think about it ran amok mm-hmm. and got stomped by the West in World War II. Who are you? Who are we on the yeah. other side of that is really wild. And that's a really yeah. confusing time. So Miyazaki, then the 80s show up and in the 80s and everything's made in Japan and Japan money and everything's booming. And it's not that way now, but there was this moment where it's like, what even are we? Yeah. Like, what are we anymore? And so that's, that's there too. And that's why the theme of remember your name, remember who you are. Yeah. You well, know. I mean, the I mean, I think he was exploring that in tons of his movies. Oh yeah, watching. Uh, his, no, that's one of his hobby horses, right? For sure. The wind rises about the creator of the zero, right? The zero right. that this beautiful airplane that then turned yep. into like the worst thing. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, another that same dynamic of what do you do with something that's so cool, but used yeah. for badness? Yeah, it's been horrible. Yeah. You know, it's like the uh, samurai swords, that one sword was, had probably been tested, like many of them had, by how many villagers you could cut in half at one swing. Mm. You know, it's like well, they, yeah. they would stack them up, line them up, and see if you could take it through six, five. How many, how many people can I cut in half with one swing? It's like, that's, that's pretty bleak. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. so, you know, it's like, yeah, they, they became proud, they rose, and then God smacked them. Mm-hmm. And the God happened to have used us to smack them. Uh, our ancestors and then the west and all that stuff showed up so i i really really like the fact that he goes after greed um he goes off just the devouring toxicity of greed on the skin level of that story while then putting it on the western architecture in some ways like openly right. declaring he's not he's not just attacking the west here yep. like he puts it on this edenic redemptive right uh western fairy tale structure but then explores, you know, Japan's uh, enslavement, really, both directions. Right. And I mean, I think you also have a lot of people are weirded out by the bouncing heads and the infant, the big yeah. baby, right? But I think that yet again is another example of infantilization yeah. and the failure to mature. All these things oh, that yeah. Chihiro needs to do. Yep. She's bumping into them. She's bumping know? into the things that will challenge her in different ways. Now the big right. baby's weird. Yeah, super weird. But at this at the same time, move into Western fairy tales and there's a ton of really weird things. Yeah, go read some of those. But it, but even but even think the ones we're we're just familiar with. Um yeah. you know it's like things that by rote we can just do. Um and it's it's not weird to us because we've seen it a ton of times. You know, we're we're familiar yeah. with everything that's grim on down. You know, Grimm's fairy tales on down and all all of those things. Now, if you do go read the originals and you've got people chopping off their toes to try to get their feet into the glass slipper, you know, into Cinderella's <laughs> glass slipper, it's a lot more grim yeah. than the Disneyfied version. We just saved the pumpkin into the carriage. That's what yeah. we saved. <laughs> but Beauty and the Beast, like, what do you, you know? It's like. That's metaphorical, for yeah. Sure. It's I like, mean, but what are you get in there and like this is weird, this is weird, but we're used to it. We're this is like a a, ca- a Western catechism. We we're yeah normalized to it. So when you watch Spirited Away and we see, we don't see a little, you know, we don't have a monster falling in love with a very young girl that we're right. somehow okay with this, right? A um, little Red Riding Hood. We don't have someone getting eaten by a wolf and then getting cut out again. You know, yeah, I mean, it's that, that we have of- we have a lar- oversized baby, and we're like, that's just too weird for me. Right. <laughs> you know? right. So I really, there's some really beautiful sequences. Some of my favorite sequences, and I think all of filmmaking are in Spirited Away. Oh, which ones? Uh, the boiler room. The uh, boiler room's great, but really, like the quietness of the train. Yeah, when she's she's finally leaving, she's heading way out there, and and the just you know just in water just like the yeah is it's pretty phenomenal i mean that's really really 
cool and well done, especially after how frenetic yeah. you know everything is. And so industrialization is a piece of this. There's the boiler room. Here's the train. You know, yeah. like and so Miyazaki's kind of walking this line of like, how do we how do we preserve who we how are we anybody? What are we really? And how do we uh merge and marry different parts of these things into our culture and still be ourselves? Um, but get bought out, but get redeemed, get redeemed from all of this, which is what yeah. the story's doing. So I like I like the story a lot. It's fantastic. But I mean, think, think about it like the Matrix too. The Matrix, a lot of people are jump on and on on about it. it's messianic, yada yada. And you're like, yeah, okay, I can see that. I can see how it's you know it's pulling this. But yeah, okay, you can see some Buddhism too, right? And can you see that also? You could also get that there. And can you see the trans, like the you can can you see how these directors ended up trans? Yeah, you know how this. Right. Like this mind game they're playing about identity and right. and like, yeah, so some people, the youth group could real quickly get to right to the messianic piece. Uh, but if you pay attention to the bigger thing and what's going on and the direction right. of it, the later films and where it leads, then it tells you a little bit more about, you know, other things that are there too. So I, I think with Spirited Away and a lot of Miyazaki's stuff, the the ability to transport you out of where we are like yeah when she goes or when they go through that doorway right now any i mean obviously well you wrote hunter covered so you <laughs> you like doorways to other i places. like doors i'm fond of doors. but any sort of liminal fantasy like that where you immediately feel that something's changed and yep. the music cues it all up and the beautiful scenery and yeah the color the, the color palette and everything else yeah, yeah that that kind of thing is just enjoyable i don't know what more you'd want out of a cartoon <laughs> yeah i like how's moving castle too but that's another you know western story that he that he yeah, dresses he up that way i mean i think that's a that's a good contender for a movie that's better than the book yeah um not not on a, i don't think it's as good or holds together as well but look at brian being dogmatic <laughs> <laughs> uh, brian don't be so dogmatic you're gonna lose us listeners no that no that's what gets us the listeners it's okay you dogmatic fine let's be dogmatic yeah but yeah so that's that's the spirited away conversation yeah. And, um, Ooh, remember that Forrest was telling me, Forrest Dickinson was saying, you know, the moment when she, the, her friend eats the salamander. Yeah. Like, uh, he was saying he thinks all the spirits in the bathhouse of our animals personified or a good number of them, at least as we have humans going animal direction, animals personifying, yep. and that helps explain some of the narrative logic yep. behind why there's some, why, because everybody thinks she smells gross. She thinks they think yeah. a human smells weird, which begs the question or makes you ask the question, what are they? No, the, the fact that when you're in the bathhouse, you can't assume that anybody in a human form is in fact human. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't assume that. This is a place of transformation and of yeah. bondage. Right. You know, this is a, a place where... Yeah, someone could have lost... Top, if you're talking about the caste system, yeah, the top caste are these... Uh, spirits who are power spirits who are here as as you know consumers um right and they're here to be served you all have to serve them and you get all the way to the bottom you have where she is and you have the people who are in bondage to yeah. this place to you know yeah. in service and so yeah you have animals that are in uh they're very froggy you see yeah. you see people who are running around but they're very froggish yep um and you have her she's sitting here I mean, Smelling a great weird. Ex great example is Haku, right? You yeah. think he's so cool. You think he's kind of the heir of the bathhouse and turns out he's another slave. Yeah, he's another slave. Forgot his name. Yep. <clears throat> so he's he's been enslaved and needs to be redeemed, needs to remember his name. Now, I will also say that in my family, we've used uh, the stink spirit a lot. <laughs> it's a really, it's a really. Stink spirit, so good. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> helpful metaphor. Like when the stink spirit comes in, it's this big foul mess comes in everybody runs and nobody wants to nobody will serve the stink spirit um and it's this is back to uh industrialization and and his exploration of everything else but yeah. she's the only one who will and she comes down and she finds like a thorn in the big you know slug side and is going to try to get it out and it's feeling bad for him she's feeling sympathetic and she's you know she's truly reached a place where she's no longer the spoiled little yeah. girl and she's only thinking of of serving and of helping this you know this injured thing 
Uh, and it turns out it's not a thorn, it's a bike handle. And when she pulls it, she gets this bicycle to come out of the side, followed by this torrent of stuff. Just pollution. This torrent <laughs> of stuff. This, yeah, all river the, junk from. Yeah, and it turns out it wasn't a stink spirit, it's a river. You know, it's like this was a river spirit, uh, just completely destroyed uh, and so on. And we've used that a lot, like with little kids, but also, I, I can't tell you how many times involved in helping somebody out or counseling or whatever else. There's this thing, you have a handle. You're just like, there's a thing. I got to pull this thing. And it looks really small or like, this isn't the root issue. It just feels like this isn't the, this isn't the root. Whatever's going on, this isn't the root, but let's just take yeah. care of it. And when you start pulling on it, like when you still, they, A, they usually defend it to the death and they don't want you to touch it. And you're like, no, we really should. We really should deal with this. And you're not saying, like I say, you're not saying this is the root cause of whatever you're struggling with, but it's a thing here we should take care of. You pull it and then this whole torrent comes out and you realize like, oh, it wasn't like a side issue. This was like the cork. This was the, yeah. the thing at the top. And yeah. once you get that out, once that confession of sins happened, once you've actually gotten something addressed, the next thing comes and the next thing comes and it's a whole just flood. Yeah. Uh, until you're dealing with almost a completely different person. <laughs> it's like, it's just, right. uh, it's quite shocking. So there's been times when, you know, we've joked about that when we were raising toddlers, my sisters and I, we'd reference uh, spirited away. It's the like, stink yeah, spirit moment. That stink spirit moment where you finally get the handle. It's like, we're always thrilled when you are trying to help somebody, whether your own kids or anything else. You finally get the handle. You're like, oh, I've got something. And I know this isn't it. But if I pull it, right. I'm going to get all of it. It's all it's all coming. This is that handle that's going to make it happen. I've noticed that, you know, my little guys normally aren't too emotional. Right. Being a bunch of little boys. But when one is being super emotional about something tiny. Yeah. It is that bike handle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know something's going on. That's there's, made there's three, you... four more other things behind it. Right. Yeah. So let's start. Let's start with. Just oh, it turns out you lied about something at school three days ago. And yeah. now there's like a... Or you're feeling guilty about this particular yep. interaction that you had. Yep. And, and so there's a you've stacked up to the point where right now you're just uh, totally irrational about the fact that your brother's grilled cheese was a little bigger than yours. So like, <laughs> And when, once you like pull through and get all the way to the bottom, it's like there's a ton there. It's like gunk that's just built up. Yeah. And so I, I owe Miyazaki that too, that metaphor. It's been really helpful at different yeah. points in terms of seeing it play out exactly like that. So yeah, this is, it's on the list. It's probably a, a top 10 movie for me overall. I mean, it's one of like the few that I, the DVDs I've ever bought and who buys DVDs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you just want to have it. <clears throat> and it, it's one of the few DVDs that can make Brian say botten. Botten. I have botten it. I, I mean, bottened it. The monstrumologist. At an ED. I bottened. Grendily. Bottened. <laughs> bottened. It has been bottened. Ah, <laughs> uh, I think we did it. Yeah. Did we? Are we did through? That, so that spirited that, away. Yeah. Uh, if that didn't convince you. Do see Jesus Revolution. And uh, I already have the next one, next movie queued up after. Oh, wow. Oh, so I, and if you're having trouble spirited away, what I did is I swung by the tiny Asian mart here and I went ahead and picked up a bunch of different foods, including those awesome looking rice things they eat in spirited away. Because I thought I need my kids to get past the weirdness so we made it even weirder by eating we made it even weirder <laughs> and it worked everyone had a great time now you're gonna take them over to iron walk and make them order off the chinese menu it's like take a character pick a picture <laughs> yeah, yes yeah and, right. then, and then explain to them we don't have a japanese restaurant right you have to take them to the chinese restaurant and then exp explain to them that yeah it's very different. These and are they not the same not, at all. They do not. Totally different. And they don't like each other very as much. As far as we're concerned, though, the food could be the same. <laughs> yeah. Really not. Not even close. My, my, yeah, my kids are thrilled right now. When this is one of the small benefits of being away from home or they, they can find good Japanese food. Here That's we don't. Awesome. We don't really. I mean, I've been told to go sushi? over to. Good sushi or other. Yeah, Japanese good sushi, food. but the other things as well. But. Uh, I've been told there's good stuff in Pullman we should try, but we're still recording right now. So, you know, we're well, talking I, now, I, we're I mean, talking now about Chinese food and Japanese food. I don't just for spirited the record, away. could take us any number of places. I don't actually think that Kung Pao chicken is the same as sushi. <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> I do. I will say this though, and I'll kind of end on this. It, it really makes me happy when you see a continuity in a culture that runs like all the way 
from like city planning and architecture down to food. And when you see the, the Japanese just emphasis on economy, like just really, but deftness, like just really being yeah. perfect. Yeah. But without all the fufries, like just a minimalist perfection. Like we're, that's what we're going to go after. Yeah. Um, and when you see that, we're going to do it with our soy sauce. Yeah. And we're <laughs> going to do it with salt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can watch the, I've watched too many weird documentaries. And finding, finding the perfect little square of that fish. Right. You know, it's like, yes, but you, it's, it's amazing. And I love seeing that they're, they're, they have such a unified culture from, from top to bottom, just aesthetically, uh, which is, which is pretty cool. So bonsai trees and sand gardens and sushi and architecture. And you're like, this is, this is oddly consistent. This is all weirdly (laughs) aesthetically connected. Yeah. You know, it'd be hard to eat my Big Mac in a sand garden (laughs) next to a bonsai tree, but I could do it. (laughs) I could, I could get it done because I'm a good American. (laughs) You'd be guilty, but you would do it. I would get it done for sure. Well, anyway, this has been Spirited Away and some other things at the beginning I already forgot. Yeah. Episode 110. Peace. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Stories or Soul Food, and I have something special for you because I'm excited about it, so you get to hear about it. It is this brand new book uh, by Canon Press about stories. It's called 32. Yes, the number. 32 Christians Who Changed Their World by Dr. Glenn Sunshine. And it's stories of everyday Christians all around the world throughout history, the people you haven't heard of, true multiculturalism, and the way, uh, short stories of how their lives um, changed history and their own culture. It's inspirational. I mean, the Christian faith is a call to adventure. And of course, on our podcast, we love to talk about how stories affect that. And some of my favorite ways of doing that is talking about famous characters in history and not famous characters in history. Oh, and one more part. Uh, I get very excited about this stuff as a publisher. Look how cool the shiny black foil is on the nice yellow binding. It's just fun to have a nice hardback book. Anyways, this is available now. It's just releasing brand new 32 by Glenn Sunshine.